Welcome to the podcast, No Code Talks with Creatio. I'm your host, Andy Zambito, Chief Sales Officer Americas at Creatio. And today we have two special guests, Andrew Fenton, Chief Sales Officer for EMEA and APAC at Creatio, and Brent Leary, co-founder and partner at CRM Essentials, LLC. Andrew and Brent will be talking about the future of technology and diving deeper into how no-code technology will be able to drive transformational efforts. So Andrew, I'll turn it over to you. Thank you. So Brent, as we've just heard, um, clearly you're a very, very busy man. Uh, so I'll jump into the, the first question if I can. Um, technology, right? Um, evolving at such a, a rapid pace, uh, enabling faster change and progress. Um, what would you say the, the main technology trends that we should be looking out for, Brent, through to 22 and beyond? Well, I think probably the, the one trend that will only get trendier or maybe accelerate in its trendiness is the change of pace that technology comes to us. It feels like every day you could wake up and there's something brand new, technologically speaking, that will change our lives. And by the end of the day, somebody, something else has already changed that. <laughs> so it, it just feels like the pace of technology and the pace of transformation is only going to accelerate as we move forward. So I think uh, from our perspective, from, from you know, users and from practitioners and from technologists, it's being able to work and understand and, and be able to create at the, at the speed of adoption because adoption, I think the reason why a lot of these technologies are, be, are getting faster and faster is because uh, we like them. We like to use them. We like to feel like we're able to take these new technologies and improve our lives and experiences. So I think that's the, the, the biggest trend is the one that's already going on and it's just going to keep getting faster and faster as we go along. Yeah, okay. So the pace will just intensify as we go. And I I guess that reminds me of a, an expression, right? Um, there, are, there are decades where nothing happens and there are weeks where decades happen. Um, <laughs> how, how do you think organizations can embrace these new technologies as quickly as they're evolving then, to your point? Well, the funny thing is, we don't have to look into uh, you know the the far away past to see examples of that. We can just look into the beginning of the uh, pandemic when we were everybody, businesses, personal, you know, regular folks. We were forced pretty much overnight to have to change the way that we did kind of like basic stuff, like shopping at the grocery store. We we couldn't do that. So we had to adapt the way that we, we shopped, which is a lot of us, you know, we had to shop online for groceries for the first time. The interesting thing was you could do that before the pandemic. There were tons of people that were already, you know, shopping for groceries online, but the vast majority of us weren't because we were just so used to doing it the way that we grew up doing it. But overnight, when it was kind of taken away from us, we adapted. We had to do what we had to do. So I think if we just look at the lessons that come out of this pandemic and maybe think instead of having to wait until we're forced to do something and eventually, you know, you do it and it's like, hey, that's not that bad. And even when we're opening up, you know, things are getting better. 
people that never shopped for groceries online before the pandemic are saying, you know what, I actually kind of like doing this. So they're going to continue to do it even after they're, you know, fully opened up. So I think if we're able to take the lessons of not waiting to do things until we're forced to do it, and then we find out that they're great, if we're a little bit more bold or a little bit more open to what the possibilities of what this technology can do and think a little bit more creatively, you know, before the door gets shut, I think we can pull from these past experiences and be able to build and be much faster, much more you know, fluent with our moves and decision-making and our abilities to put things in place. Yeah, right, uh, Brent. So the, the new normal, if you like, and, and take advantage before it's forced upon us. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. And I guess from a technology point of view, um, there's lots of technology. And to your point, it's coming at us faster than ever. Uh, what would you see as fads versus technology that you think's here to stay? Well, I think, I don't know if I would call it a fad or if I would just say it's probably something that's going to not be a standalone, but will be part of like the normal communications, you know, platforms or social platforms. But we, we hear this term social audio and, you know, there, there are you know, like platforms out there that just do that and have gotten a lot of attention, but I don't think standalone social audio is something that uh, will be with us for very long. I think, you know, the, the ability to, you know, share your, your voice and build a, and have a group of folks jump on at any minute of the time or any, day, any part of the day, I think that's important, but I don't think it's a, as important as a standalone vehicle. I think you know, you're already seeing like Twitter uh, integrate audio into their platform and you're, you're seeing all these bigger platforms doing that you know clubhouse was a is a standalone and it got a lot of attention but i think you know talking to people and being able to gather people around for a quick chat is something that's not going to be a standalone it's just going to be a piece of the uh, overall platform we've already seen that happen today it's going to become a part of the new normal, right? So it's no longer going to be something on its own. What about um, what about things like CRM? What about things like no code? How do you see these fitting in? Well, CRM, I think people have been trying to bury CRM for like, let's see, ever at this point, but it's not going anywhere. And it's actually becoming you know, kind of a foundational piece on how we interact with customers, how we interact with partners to do deals, how do we, how do employees collaborate? And so CRM is probably more important now than it ever has been. And as part of the kind of the interaction in, in the uh, customer journey uh, ecosystem, it's, it's, at, it's at its core because it, it allows people to gather the information they need, have the AI run on it, find insights that are important to create better experiences and it's it's just getting more and more uh, important as time goes on. And so when you think of no code, and I always go back to this conversation I had with Catherine, uh, actually it was earlier this year, uh, where I believe it was, don't quote me on the actual numbers, but I think it's about 500 million applications that are gonna need to be built over the next several years. And there's just not enough developers to do the kind of applications 
in the number of applications that we all need in order to you know run our businesses or to create you know these these great automation process automated processes so you need tools like no code to enable people who are not you know born and bred coders who don't you know eat sleep and drink code to be able to do things that will that they need done to improve the relationships and improve the services and application experiences that they're trying to create for customers. So no code expands the playing field. It lets people who aren't coders do the kind of things that coders in the past were the only ones that could do, were able to do this stuff. So I think no code plays a, a huge part because it puts the power in the hands of people who are more business oriented, who know exactly what they need to do to, to improve services and experiences for customers it allows them to actually do it instead of having to, you know, put a request in. And, you know, if you, if there isn't enough, uh, you know, coders or programmers, you know, in the organization, then they're going to have to go out and try to find some, it takes them forever to actually get what they need, you know, in their hands and use it. And by the time that they actually get something, their needs may have changed. The ex expectation of customers may have changed. So you might've gotten exactly what you wanted, but you got it so late that it's no good anymore. And these kind of things are what we have to do a better job in, in, in making sure that when a customer demand or expectation, we, we sense it, we identify it, we're able to answer it as soon as possible. And you know, without no code, I don't think that's gonna be possible. Fantastic. So no code about empowering the business and really being able to do this at the pace upon which things are increasing uh, as we set out at the very start of this conversation, right? And from a CRM point of view, that unification of how to look at a customer and predict uh, what's gonna happen rather than be reactive to what's happened. I think that's kind of the, the main elements I, I pull out of that. And I guess, look, um, no codes uh, platform is, is here, right? It's here right now. We see enterprises uh, picking this up. What what role do you see no code platform playing in, in the strategies? Well, I think because you kind of are able to have the, the business person who is at the forefront of interacting with customers, you know, trying to figure out the best ways to, you know, generate leads, you know, convert leads, close opportunities, like service folks, keep them around longer, understand their customers and be able to predict what their needs are going to be so that they can get it to them before they're asked for. There's a lot of stuff going on that you need to know in order to create not only a, a good uh, relationship with a customer, but a long lasting one, which grows over time, which goes where the customer needs to go. And in some instances, you, you might need to lead the customers because, you know, we have the opportunity to look at the data and have AI run and look at all these interactions and have these best, uh, next best steps, next best recommendations, actions, interactions. And so in certain instances, we're able to help them along the way and sometimes even guide them you give them uh, information as to which path may be the best one for you. All of that can't be done if you don't, if you're not able to take all of that knowledge that's in, you know, the business 
uh, develop, development person's head and translate that into something that actually helps you know, bring that to life. And so I think it's really important, is particularly I'll stick to the CRM and the customer experience stuff. Every bit of data, any bit of information should be used to try to figure out what's the best interaction, what's the best opportunity to, to create a service or experience that will help the, your customers stay with you, be successful and stay with you over time. Because more time, more engagement should lead to more knowledge and more insight of what's important to them and what we need to do to help them. And that's where the focus should be. It shouldn't be on you know, bits and bytes. You know, it should be on, all right, we've got what we need. How do we translate that into getting it to them? And I think the, a no-code platform allows more people to be involved in that process, but in the process above the code where, it, you know, where all the thoughts and strategies and processes get determined, get flushed out, and then no code helps those get implemented. Implemented, And that's, that's really where it should be. I think I saw earlier in, in one of these Creatio presentations where there's going to be four times as many, you know, business folks doing no code than there are going to be like hardcore uh, developers in the actual, you know, professional code side. That no code is basically the enabler to make that happen. If that's not there, then that can't happen. And if that can't happen, all the things, all the 500 million applications that we need to, you know, keep going with these customers and providing them what they need, that'll never happen. Fantastic. Fantastic. So this is about empowering the business. It's about using the predictive capabilities, turning those into suggestions on next best actions, helping um, a, a, somebody do their job, helping that organization move forwards um, as opposed to being reactive. I think that's a, that's a really cool point. So look, um, we've talked a lot uh, about the shift of pace, uh, the new normal. Um, what is it that companies have really had to do around their strategy, do you think, Brent? Um, around this shift of pace and this new normal? What, what, what have they had to adjust in their strategies? This is it's gonna sound like, yeah, we already know this stuff, but sometimes knowing it and doing it, well, <laughs> I was gonna say sometimes, but most of the times knowing it and doing it are like completely different ballgames. And now let's talk about digital transformation. And before the pandemic, I would think, I would say that a lot of the companies that I dealt with and, and, and communicated with and the people at those companies, when you talked about digital transformation, I think the vast majority of them were, were thinking, how do we uh, take what we already do, and most of, a lot of it is manual, how can we take what we already do and, and do it more efficiently and more effectively, but more efficiently? And so it's basically, you know, I would call that a digital transition more than I would call it digital transformation because using the technology to, to like make it more efficient to do what we already do, that's just transition. That's transition from uh, manually, probably mainly doing these things to using some form of automation to do it, which is great. I think that's really important. And I think that was where a lot of the emphasis on digital transformation was pre-pandemic. But I think what happened because of the pandemic, and going back to the example of 
we had to start doing things differently because what we were already doing, we couldn't do. Because of that, it I think it made uh, a lot of companies rethink the definition of digital transformation because it went from that transitional doing what we do more efficiently to actually, all right, what do we need to do? Because what we were doing, we can't do right now. So transformation finally became not just doing what we do more efficiently, it became, what can we do? How do we, how do we get past this hurdle that we didn't have before? And so digital transformation began to open up and begin to have people say, all right, let's look at all these different technologies and let's look at how we can do something because right now we can't do it the way we're normally doing. I love that because it, it, I think it forced organizations to do things, to think differently, to approach uh, problems differently, to look for solutions to things that, the, you know, that they did know about, you know, challenges they did know about, but then also start to even think further away from that traditional thinking to say, well, man, why don't we do this? Why don't we try doing this? Because we never really had to do that, you know, all the time. We just did it because at the time, five, 10 years ago, we had to do it like that. Now, I, I think more organizations are thinking way out of the box. Some of them have created completely different business models because they could. They just never thought about it before. Now that they've been forced to think about business and interaction and relationships and working, remote work now, you know, we're doing this virtual event. We're talking to, you know, people all around the world in a way that we probably didn't do even a couple of years ago. So I think the pandemic has forced digital transformation to open up and to do more things and be more things and, and take more approaches and be more experiment, experimental on how we interact and engage and how we work. And that's had a lot of unbelievable uh, impact because I'm seeing things that I know I wouldn't have seen a couple of years ago. Fantastic. I guess uh, this is about disruption and using technology to help disrupt or to adapt because of the disruption that's happening around you. Either way, it's a change to the strategy, right? We, we've had strategy plans in place. Uh, those have all needed to be either ripped up entirely or, or shifted um, a significant amount. What would you say the important factors are when you're looking at uh, building a strategic plan, um, given these shifting um, uh, disruptive technologies that we've just been talking about? You know, I think one of the, the really basic things that companies are gonna have to do going forward, because there's no turning back, it's like Pandora's box has been open. Um, and particularly when you're looking at the, the Generation Z and millennials that are stepping up and starting to get into, uh, if not already into these authoritative positions, within organizations is they're used to doing things differently than, you know, I'm a Gen Xer, they're baby boomers, you know, things that we did and we were comfortable with, they're not, you know, the way that they communicate is completely different than uh, what, you know, somebody my age probably would be used to doing. Uh, but, and they're very, they're, they do things, they're you know, they multitask, they're, you know, they get a lot of things done and, you know, all at the same time, uh, they're used to com communicating in a different way, you know. And as these newer channels come up, you know, like you know, TikTok is something that I didn't see coming. Coming, 
And uh, I didn't really realize up until like maybe six months ago how big TikTok is, you know, and now they got over a billion active users. Uh, that wasn't around five years ago. <laughs> there, there are so many things that are here now that, uh, that are big and have hundreds of millions of people doing it, using them every day that weren't here three, four or five years ago. And so companies have to be open to uh, being quick in adopting and, and, and looking at, you know, making sure they're keeping a tab, a pulse on these things that do come up. Some of them are not going to be important. Others are. And it's kind of hard to pick and choose what, what they are unless you really spend some time understanding it. And sometimes you just need the right people, you know, who, who are kind of native to some of these things. You got to have them involved. And so it's about having a kind of organization that is uh, open to change, actually looking for change, looking for ways to improve and not just looking for ways to be more efficient in what we do. And that means, you know, structuring the organization a little differently, getting more people, multi-generational people around, geographically speaking. If you have customers in all areas of the world, you're going to want to have an understanding of what's important to those areas of the world from, from a customer perspective, at least, and from an employee perspective, because chances are, you know, the kind of people you're trying to sell to, uh, you need to have those folks on your payroll, either as employees or either, you know, partner with organizations or, or, or other uh, companies that are looking at the same group of people, that consumer group. But it has to be things that maybe are a little uncomfortable because, you know, people, generally speaking, don't like change. But I think this younger, these younger generations, they love it. And they love experimenting with new technology and, and putting it in place. And companies who are usually not, you know, good with that, they're going to be the ones in trouble. The, the companies that are willing to look at new technology, look at new platforms, and see what they offer and see how their their customers are using them or maybe not even using them but maybe we can help them you know see the benefit in them because we see the benefit in them that's a that's like a, those are two kind of foundational changes just opening up their mind being more open to it be making sure that they have representation you know diversity inclusion all of these things are going to be more important as time goes on i think brilliant Brilliant. So rather than a top-down strategy, it's about being inclusive. It's about being open and to explore what needs to happen to have this feedback loop back into a strategy. And um, you never know whether a strategy is going to work out or not, right? Um, the, the key here is that the pace upon which we're experiencing technology change the pace upon which the strategy has got to change. And I guess um, really kind of stepping back slightly here, Brent, any tips on how we would like measure uh, and you know effectively make sure that that strategy is working out for us? Yeah, I, I think it's really important to, you know, not just throw stuff out there, but be ready to kind of measure the impact. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, we, we, we hear a lot about the creator economy, and um, I hadn't thought about it from a B2B perspective. I've always thought about it from more of a consumer perspective, but I've noticed something lately that I think is, is, is something that we all on the B2B side of the house need to be thinking about, and it's 
through my search to buy the right MacBook Pro. <laughs> so Apple announced uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month, that they're coming out with their new line of MacBook Pros, and and you know they 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 can do all these crazy amazing things. Uh, the the, uh, the big announcement was about you know like an hour long keynote. I watched and I was like, this is great. But the thing that got me was not the Apple keynote, although it was really well done. The after fact, aftermath of the the uh, the keynote. I went to uh, YouTube, and with it was like running commentaries, people you know talking about you know giving analysis on you know what they heard. They they were giving analysis on you know what they heard in terms of. You know, I'm a video, a videographer. This is what it means to me. I'm a, a photographer. This is what it means to me. And so I was able to get so much more insight on on the, uh, the actual devices that were being offered from other people, not from Apple. But Apple put the content out there, and, the, and people, these enthusiasts, they they gravitated towards it. Then, when the I made my decision, I'm I'm supposed to get mine today, so I'm really excited about that. <laughs> but uh, People have already started receiving their, their uh, MacBooks. So what ha what's happened since then? As soon as these people start getting them, they're running tests on it. They're putting up videos of it. They're running these benchmarks. They're showing people how it works with this particular software. You are seeing this whole creator economy sell you know, these, these MacBooks and devices, and they're not even a part of the Apple, the, the formal Apple ecosystem. But they are driving knowledge and insight and, 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 and buying that I don't think two years ago you would have seen at this level. So I think if, you're, if you are a company and you are a B2B company and you, you have to start thinking about how do we do these things and how do we track if we're on the right track, if we're hitting the right mark, what if we're not? What do we need? Do we just go, you know, go away or do we tweak it? And it's, it's this fail fast experimentation kind of gene you have to have now to not be afraid of trying and not be afraid of failing as long as you fail fast and you limit the fail in terms of time and resources. I think that is huge in this creator economy and, and being able to see how these folks are selling, you know, they're not just selling the product, but they're educating on the product. They're telling you how it compares, how it contrasts, what you can do, what you can't do. They're even telling you, look, don't buy the high level if you don't need it. Now, that might be a negative, but it's at least, you know, it's, it's an honest voice. And I think what people are looking for are honest voices that they can trust when they're looking for a buying decision. And sometimes that's not necessarily a direct employee, but you have to engage even more than maybe four or five years ago around this. Yeah, so you've got an influence sphere that goes way beyond uh, a payroll scenario, right? So this is interesting. Uh, if, if I spin this slightly differently, um, Brent, I, I think about the needs of customers because um, this, is, this is an interesting view you, you, know, you bring up around the influence. What do you think the, the future needs of customers are going to be over the next I hate to put a time frame on it, right? But maybe five years, maybe see it through to 10. We all know by the time that happens, everything will have changed. But right now, <laughs> what, what do you envisage the future needs of the customers would be? 
you know, the future needs of the customers are the needs that they've had all along. They've always wanted to be heard. They've always wanted to be valued beyond the transaction. You know, in a lot of cases, you know, maybe this is more uh, of the traditional aspects of the, you know, vendor customer relationship. It, it really felt like the transaction was all that the, the vendor was into it for. And customers could feel that. I, I mean, there aren't that many brands that I, you know, feel all that, you know, warm about because I think it's only about, you know, they kind of made me feel like it's only about the dollar, about the transaction. I'm as good to you as the, le- the, the last transaction was to their bottom line. And no customer really wants to feel like that. We understand it's business. You got to make money. But we also, you know, we have thoughts. We have, we, we, we have things that we think can make it better. In fact, a lot of the customers know more about the product than anybody at the, uh, at the company does, except for maybe the person who built it. But it's the, these folks live with these products. And so they, these guys doing these Mac uh, demos that I see, they, I'm guessing they know more about that MacBook than 80 to 90% of the folks who are actually working at Apple. And that's because they are enthusiastic about it. They're passionate about it and they live with it. And so why stop at the transaction when they have so much more to offer? And I think it's on the company's, it's the company's responsibility to make sure that they nurture that passion. Don't put douse it out, but let them feel like they're a part of you know the 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 brand. Because in a lot of ways, they're the best brand ambassadors you have because people trust them because they view them as somebody who's doing it because of the passion, not because of the dollar. And I think that's something that we all can you know kind of take lessons from. And and instead of try to control customers you can't or, or or people out there you can't and and what we've learned with you know more people on the on the internet and more people on the web and more people talking in on social channels is that any thought of power that a company had it's gone don't even think you have it it's your job to understand what's going on and to be able to engage on a level that makes people more comfortable and makes them trust you so that you can be a part of that, uh, co- uh, you know, conversation, collaboration in a way that will allow you to extend your relationship over time. Yeah. Okay. Really, really cool point. So this is about getting away from the the transactional feeling. It's about the feeling included in the way that makes me as a customer uh, feel comfortable and want to engage beyond a transactional uh, relationship. So, well, let um, me take a little, even, we've, we've already been on that road because we've gone from mostly transactional, now we're doing a lot of subscriptions, a lot of, a lot of things that we consume, not only as uh, consumers, but as business people are month to month subscriptions. If you're doing that, you, ha- you're, you're, you can't, you don't want to just, live month to month, so to speak. You can't just, you know, the only interaction every month is a transaction. I think you have to be in the mindset of every month, we have to prove the value that we can deliver in order for us to get another month. So that means we're not just communicating on a transactional level. We're communicating on an informational level, on a content level, 
on how can we help you get more out of this service. And if you if you are you know starting to think like that and you're walking down that path, that's great because then that you're open to all these other things that we're talking about. But it all starts with getting out of the kind of the traditional. You buy it. Our relationship is done until the next time we have something we want to sell to you and we'll reach out at that point. That right. mindset's got to go. That's got to go if you really want to make a go of it in the future with customers. You, you've got to find a way of exceeding customer expectations, right? So they really see the value. And and what what impact do you think no-code platforms can play in that? Well, it's no code makes it easy for us to roll this stuff out. I mean, it, it, the thing about having all these great ideas and having all these great thoughts about how we could do this, unless you're able to put those things in motion, that's all they are is great thoughts and great ideas. People don't want great thoughts and ideas. People want great services and experiences. So if those thoughts and ideas can't get into services and experiences, what's the point of having them? And so no code allows you to allows the people having the idea to actually put it in place. At least a higher percentage of those ideas get put in place because sometimes idea to IT for getting put in place, something gets lost in transition, something, you know, it, it, something may be left out. There may be, oh, this is good, but oh, God, I forgot to put this in. So you have a change order that has to go through the process. Sometimes it gets done, sometimes it doesn't. But if you have a no, if you're you have a no-code platform and you have people that are willing to, you know, to take their ideas and and not have to code it to you know to a certain extent, but just do some clicks, get do some swipes, uh, they're gonna do it. And you're gonna see more of these great ideas become great experiences and services and 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 all sorts of things. But it has to happen and driven from the folks who are at the forefront of the business at the forefront of the of the relationship with the customers but they're not coders so you have if you give them tools that allow them to take what's in their head and get it out there and create that experience you have a much more likelihood of finding success and extending customer relationships longer than you ever did before sounds great Brent. Where, where do i sign Right. Uh, this is about <laughs> yeah. creatio.com. Isn't that where you sign? Is <laughs> Fantastic. So the, the, this is about empowering the business and being able to work at a pace that allows you to test your theory, fail fast or succeed, get there quicker than your competition, uh, empower the business rather than be reliant on this traditional IT um, scenario that, that can hit miss or, or, or fail or, or succeed, but tends to take longer. And by the time you've actually met the market, everything's changed. So you've got to then catch up in a loop. So look, this is, um, this is a really good poignant point because things are going faster and faster. Um, where, where do we see things like automation, uh, digitization? Um, where does that help us uh, in, in this ever-increasing um, market that we have? Well, we just talked about how things are, are, are accelerating, things are picking up, speeding. And that's where automation and hyper automation fits in because look, we're humans. There's a limit to what we can do. But if we can take the time to you know, create the right idea or, or have the right ideas and uh, put the right processes in place, 
Automation allows those processes to go off and do what we need to do, scale when we need them to scale, when we're hitting more and more people, we're, we're, we're doing all the right things, we're able to you know, get it even in more hands of more people. That's where the automation comes in and that's critically important. Well, you know, one thing I wanted to point out on, because I don't want to feel like you know, the IT folks are left out. I think no code and, and automation, they help the IT folks just as much as they help the business folks because they get to concentrate on making sure all these things that we need, the, the, like the building blocks, the foundation that allows this stuff to scale and be secure and, and make sure that all the things that we don't want to think about, we want to think about the core business stuff. We want to let that the IT think about the IT stuff, because if we're able to do as much as we can, you know, on the business side with no code, that frees them up to think about, you know, making sure that we're able to scale when we want to go international or making sure that we're secure and we're not getting hacked all the time and our customer data is safe. And so it, it actually no code helps, you know, the, the, the IT folks, the hardcore IT folks, just as much as it helps the no code. It's, I mean, uh, the business folks. Yeah. It certainly does, like integrations need to happen, okay? So this is about automating process, it's about empowering the business, but IT is critical in terms of the infrastructure, as you say, for scaling uh, and, and getting that integration to happen in, in the environment. Um, so look, this is, this is really, really um, helpful, Brent. Um, we've talked very much about the pace, we've talked about what needs to change in the business and how to embrace that. Uh, the questions coming through here, lots of change. Um, is there a technology that you see prevailing above all others over the next, um, they've said 10 years here, uh, but let's mm. just say, uh, you know, a, a, a good degree of time going forwards. Is there a one, one prevailing technology here? Yeah, one that I've been really uh, looking at and hoping for uh, ever since I got my first Amazon Echo device. And as conversational AI, if we're, you know, it's nice to be able to, you know, maybe order your pizza or, you know, set your thermostat or but those things are great. They're very simple commands. And, and some of these voice speakers do that well. What I would love to be able to, you know, we all work with all these business applications. I would love to be able to just talk to my application and have it do the things that I typically have to do, you know, to swipe and type and click. I would love to just have a conversation and get that done. Just think about the user adoption that would happen. Let's let's take the uh, the the the, the, pro, the professional salesperson. They hate using CRM. <laughs> they don't want to sit in the office and put data in and you know keep their notes. Up. That's not like the last. They want to be out there, you know, talking with customers, engaging, building relationships, getting you know moving their deals along that's what they live for. They do not want to be sitting in a, in an office in front of a keyboard, typing and, and input. Wouldn't it be great if they could just talk to their, their applications, their, their SFA application and be able to do all the things that their bosses want them to do, which is get data in. Cause if you're able to get data from them, because they're the ones doing the main interacting with their prospects, you're getting great information. And let's face it, a lot of that great information is not getting into the CRM application right now because the sales folks do not want to put it in. They don't want to sit around and type. So what if we made it easy for them to do the input that information? What if we made it easier for them to ask for the information that they want when they need it 
instead of having to go to a, a you know a keyboard and search and do all that, if we're able to get conversational AI, and I think we're getting close to the point where it's it understands us and understands us whatever language we're talking in, we can have a conversation. It's not just you know I say one thing, it says something back, then I have to start over. And what if it's a an actual conversation like you and I are having? with your application that allows you to be to get everything you need in and out of your system with your voice then you you'll you'll have a transformation of how business is done because now we're able to instead of having to type and, and instead of having to learn a language which is you know something that speaking to computers you had to learn the computer language what if we could just talk like we're doing now and we're talking with like that with our application? How much more pro productive would we be? How much more efficient would we be? How much more data would go into those systems? How much more AI capabilities could use that data to put out even better insights? That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, so, And I think we actually have an opportunity for that to happen. Fantastic. So a mix here, Brent, your view of easy access uh, I would add into that, making sure that there's a reward, something of value for the salesperson to be um, in the CRM. And that's what I spend a lot of my time talking to clients about as well. I think a happy medium here of easy access and value, a reason yeah. that, that draws you in. Maybe a few leads, hey? But anyway, look, <laughs> Brent, I uh, have thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed our time together. I'm really looking forward to catching up again soon, but um, thank you ever so much for sharing your thoughts uh, with us all here today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Andrew, that was great. Andrew, Brent, what a great discussion. I could have listened to this all day. Thank you so much. To get more information about our products and services, please visit our website, creatio.com. And for more insight, check our digital event page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Talk soon.